Ah, farm life. Fresh dew on the grass, the sound of sheep buying, the smell of wet wool and milk, the sight of straw and fresh wood chips on the ground, and the sound of freshly sharpened shears shearing sheep. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? No. <laughs> Maybe a couple. Uh, majority, no, right? Yeah. Uh, I was making all that up. I have no idea what I was just talking about. Uh, I am a city boy. <laughs> I grew up in the city. Uh, in fact, the only thing I really know about sheep is Sean the sheep. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Has anyone had to endure this, the claymation of their kids watching this? And I apologize because for the rest of the day, this is going to be in your heads. I love that. <laughs> yes, no, seriously. It's going to be in your head for the rest of the day. I'm sorry. Um, but you know what? This isn't how it was in biblical times, though. If you were one of the first readers or recipients of the Holy Scriptures, the fact is you would have owned sheep. And if you didn't own sheep, there was someone else in your village who owned sheep who would take these sheep out to pasture. And if these people weren't your neighbors, you knew of these sort of, you know, quote unquote professional sheep herders who would go out for months at a time and they'd be grazing the countryside and the open pasture land. I mean, this was normal. That was, I mean, talking about sheep, smelling sheep, shearing sheep, that was just the regular course of everyday life for the original recipients of the scriptures. Now, unlike today, uh, people in biblical times understood a lot of things that we don't understand today about shepherding and sheep. It was a part of their everyday life and everyday language, kind of like how texting or smartphones or YouTube or Netflix is a part of our everyday language now. Uh, for the original recipients of the scriptures, shepherding and sheep were a part of their everyday language. No wonder there are literally hundreds and hundreds of verses in the Bible about shepherding and sheep. And if you were to look at all of them, uh, they would land in one of these five categories. Uh, sheep as an animal, uh, the people of God as sheep, God as the shepherd of Israel, leaders as shepherds of Israel, and Jesus as the shepherd. So I want to quickly run through these verses with you just to give you a glimpse and a quick overview of the scriptures of all the different places that sheep are mentioned, sheep and shepherding, okay? So let's start with the first category, sheep as an animal. Okay, so here are a few verses. He had flocks of sheep, herds of cattle, and many slaves, and the Philistines were envious of him, okay? Uh, these are the animals you may eat, oxen, sheep, goats, okay, another... Uh, another reference here, while David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep, all right? And he has lavishly sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep, sheep as a sacrifice, okay? So that's the first category of sheep, sheep as an animal. The next category we see here is the people of God as sheep. David said to God, wasn't I the one who gave the order to count the people? 
I am the one who has sinned and acted very wickedly, but these sheep, the people of God, what have they done? Okay, so that's the first one. I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd, and for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Okay, so that's the people of God as sheep. The next category that we see is God as the shepherd of Israel. He led his people out like sheep and guided them like a flock in the wilderness. This is talking about God. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever. We will declare your praise to generation after generation. He protects his flock. God protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Okay, and then the next category that we see in the scriptures is leaders. Okay, leaders as shepherds of Israel. So the first verse is, he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. He brought him from tending ewes to be shepherd over his people Jacob, over Israel, his inheritance. He shepherded them with a pure heart and guided them with his skillful hands. Okay, so this is a leader as a shepherd. Then you remember the days of the past, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit among the flock? Right? So once again, leader as a shepherd. Uh, and then we see the next category, Jesus as the shepherd. Okay? He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord. This is, this is actually from Micah in the Old Testament. So this is prophesying about the Messiah, about the Savior to come. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord. <clears throat> in the majestic name of the Lord his God, they will live securely, for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Uh, and then, I love this, I love this verse. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This last verse in Revelation 7 is incredible because it's talking about Jesus in two ways. Uh, the first way is Jesus as the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, and also Jesus as the great shepherd who will guide us to the springs of the water of life. Okay, so like I said before, in biblical times, language around sheep and shepherding was commonplace. In fact, if you were an archaeologist uh, who studied catacombs from the first four centuries in and around Rome, uh, there would be a really easy way to distinguish whether or not a catacomb was uh, a Christian catacomb or not. Okay, and it was through the presence or absence of one of these three symbols or images. The first one is that of a fish. Uh, the Greek word for fish is ichthys. Uh, which is an acrostic meaning Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Okay, so these were in catacombs. Uh, another common image that you would have found uh, would be that of a vine. Okay, it's a, it's a low-resolution image, but this is actually uh, vineyard, it's a vineyard and people tending the vines. And Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Uh, when he talked about the vine, and the reason this image was so prominent is because it really talked about the union between 
God and us between his disciples, disciples and Jesus. Okay, and then, you know, the third most common image would have been that of a good shepherd. That's what we're talking about. Uh, in fact, here's how one church historian put it. What was the popular religion of the first Christians? It was, in one word, the religion of the good shepherd. The kindness, the courage, the grace, the love, the beauty of the good shepherd was to them, if we may so say, prayer book and articles, creeds and canons all in one. They looked on that figure and it conveyed to them all that they wanted. Isn't that incredible? I mean, just take a look at that again. The kindness, the courage, the grace, the love, the beauty of the good shepherd was to them like the prayer book and articles and creeds and canons all in one. The author of this quote was a church historian, Arthur P. Stanley, who is the dean of Westminster Abbey and the canon of Canterbury Cathedral in the 19th century. There's such depth to this. You know, I wonder though, um, if you were to reflect on all that's gone on in the last few years, not even few years, last several years, I wonder what would have been different if the Good Shepherd was one of the most prominent images or symbols for all disciples. Just think about this, right? In light of everything that's gone on, what do you think would have been different if the Good Shepherd was our prominent image of what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus? Us as sheep and him as the shepherd? What do you think would have been different and what do you think would be different in our lives if this was the prevailing image of our relationship between us and Christ? You know, we don't need to go into detail, but over the last um, while, there's been a number of prominent Christian leaders and pastors who have fallen in very public ways. And then if you think in your own personal life, uh, perhaps you know friends or family members who have walked away from Jesus and they've deconstructed their faith. And perhaps you've read these articles or sat and experienced a loved one walking away from Christ and maybe you've asked yourself why. Like, like what, what happened what happened in their life that this would be the case, that they would make such a decision to walk away from Christ? Did they see discipleship as a sprint? Did they see themselves as the shepherd rather than Jesus as the shepherd and them as the sheep? Eugene Peterson, I love what he says about discipleship. He says discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Now if you were just to think about that analogy for a little bit, a long obedience in the same direction that would likely mean you're climbing up mountains on occasion, on mountain peaks and descending, and maybe the descent was so long that you ended up in a valley that you had to then climb out of. Perhaps there were streams that may have been actually, or lakes or oceans, it felt like ocean, a lake that felt like an ocean that you had to figure out how to cross when the current was against you. And then maybe as you came out of that, you entered into a desert, or maybe it was just a plain. 
and things are good. And the weather's fine, but you just don't see an end in sight to this plane. If we're to persevere through this long obedience in the same direction as disciples, don't you think that we would need a guide? I mean, if, if, if discipleship truly is a long obedience in the same direction, and over the course of a long time, don't you think we would be distracted and thus need a guide to stay on course? That's why the analogy of the good shepherd is such an important analogy for us to understand today. Not only in light of what's going on, but if we were to persevere moving forward as followers of Christ, despite whatever storms are yet to come in our lives, the more we can see ourselves as sheep and Jesus as the shepherd, I think the more likely we're going to be able to persevere. So that's why over the next six weeks, we're going to be studying Psalm 23. It's because my heart's desire is that not even one of you will be lost. And we're going to read about how Jesus left the 99 and, and followed the one as a good shepherd ought to. And I pray that that would be the case for us as a church family. And I think if that is to be true, we need to see ourselves as sheep and him as the shepherd. So this first message is going to set things up for us. We're going to build on it week after week. And I know in the summer, uh, some of you are going to go on vacation. Maybe you're going to go camping. I want to encourage you, uh, whether you're with us here in person or not, uh, to follow along. You can stream our services. You can listen to the podcast online if you're camping. In fact, I know many of you do that uh, when you are away. So why don't we uh, start today off by reading Psalm 23, just really focusing in on verse 1. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. This message today really only has two points. <laughs> it's, it's, it's this verse. The Lord is my shepherd is our first point. I have what I need is our second point. You know, I, I, I think it would be, because we're going through this passage at such a slow pace, I think it would be absolutely incredible if every single one of us memorized Psalm 23. And I think by the end of this series, that's going to be highly likely and probable that we would have studied this passage in such depth that it would be coming out of our pores, so to say. So let's start with our first point, which is really the first half of this verse. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, if you were to think about a shepherd and sheep and pasture land, a shepherd... Uh, when a shepherd would take out its sheep, his or her sheep, out to graze the pasture land, uh, there's something that the shepherd would know. The shepherd would know that there is always a potential for danger. That's why later on in verse 4, the psalmist talks about having, the shepherd having both a rod and a staff. It's not rod or a staff, it's rod and a staff, because it was actually two things that the shepherd carried. The rod was not a walking stick, it was actually a weapon, and the staff was for another use. So for the shepherd, who had this rod and staff, when the shepherd left the safety of their village, the shepherd knew, 
he knew, he or she knew that he was leaving the safety of what was and going into the unknown, exposing himself and the sheep to danger. According to Kenneth Bailey, who's a Middle, uh, Middle Eastern New Testament studies expert, uh, he said that the danger would look like thieves. Uh, not only would the shepherd and the sheep be exposing himself to thieves, but also to wild animals. Uh, in that context, also to poisonous snakes and, and sudden blinding dust storms, water shortages, loose rocks, furnace-like heat. Basically anything and everything that you could be exposed to, the shepherd knew that he was exposing him and the sheep to when they were going out to graze. The shepherd knew this. He or she knew that even though going out to graze might have looked something like this, and as beautiful as this, scenic as this, as we see in this picture, um, it's hard to say whether or not the sheep knew that they were also going to potentially encounter danger. And we know that the shepherds knew this risk, but we don't necessarily know if the sheep knew this. So in this psalm, when David as a shepherd himself writes that the Lord is his shepherd, he's saying that the Lord is his security. He's writing with all this in mind. He's saying the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my security. So despite all trials and tribulations, hardships and heartaches, rocks and hard places that the shepherd might find himself in, when he writes here that the Lord is his shepherd, he is saying that the Lord is his security. And with Jesus, there are no setup fees, cancellation charges, or contracts. There are no monthly fees or dues either. Jesus, our shepherd, is our ultimate security system. Jesus, our shepherd, in fact, is actually the definition of security, which in the dictionary is defined as the state of feeling safe, stable, or free of all anxiety. So with Jesus and in Jesus, there is no safer place to be. With Jesus and in Jesus, there is no freer place to be either because when we're with Jesus, we don't need to worry about what danger might lie ahead because he is our shepherd. He is our security and he is gonna take care of it. That's what David is writing about. That's what he's thinking about when he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. In fact, that's why he told his disciples not to worry. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then a few verses later, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So for David here in Psalm 23, he's saying that the Lord is his security. What about for you? What is your security? I want you to think about it. Like, what, what is your security? Is it maybe your parents? Or your family? Or having loved ones around you? 
Maybe it's your retirement funds or how your investments are doing. Maybe it's your car. What's your security? What do you look to for safety? Really, I, I, want, I want you to think about this. And, and whatever might be coming to mind right now that you're like, yeah, you know what, I think, I think that's my security. Uh, if, if that changes or if that is taken away, uh, you know it's your security because you're going to feel unsettled. You're going to feel uneasy. Maybe a bit anxious. Unsettled and nervous. You know, I, I've, I've been there. I mean, I remember being, I remember how worried I was when I had less than $50 in my bank account and my wife, Christina, was pregnant with our first. And we were a week away from payday and I didn't know how we were going to get there. I, I was nervous quite a bit when my kids have been sick and particularly when they've been to the hospital and had to stay multiple days. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yes, the Lord was my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, but yeah, I was, I was full of worry. And yeah, I mean, that time I was without a job for six months, handing out resumes to everywhere I could and not getting one single call back, yeah. I was uneasy. You know, I, I admit that money, relationships, and work have been my security. And at different points in my life, I, I'm the first one to admit that I've actually found more security in those things than in God. And then those things were taken away. And then when those things were taken away, I realized what a mediocre savior and security and shepherd those things were. What about for you? What has been your security? What, what, what is your security right now? You know, it's no coincidence in Luke 15 uh, that Jesus tells a parable about the good shepherd and his lost sheep. So I want to read this to you, Luke 15. So he told them this parable, what man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together saying to me, saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Jesus tells this parable to emphasize how good shepherds, in whom Jesus is the chief good shepherd, will always find us when we're lost. You know, when, when one of us lost is lost, Jesus doesn't say, uh, you know, I mean, we just, we just lost one. Uh, we got 99 here. Uh, we just count our losses. It's okay. I mean, sheep will reproduce. It's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make up for that. It's going to be okay. Jesus doesn't say that. Good shepherds don't say that. In fact, good shepherds 
know the name. They name their sheep. <laughs> Good shepherds actually name their sheep. And they know their sheep by name. And they will stop at nothing to find and rescue their lost sheep because their sheep, for good shepherds, their sheep are like their children. And how much more is this true of Jesus, who is the chief good shepherd? I want to read to you a story about Fadul. He was a Palestinian shepherd. I want to read to you his story of how he went to look for two of his lost sheep. A searching party was soon made up, uh, and each carrying a fanus or lantern, uh, we set out to seek the lost sheep. The sound of our voices was soon heard ringing among the hills, calling, hu, hu, ta, ta, ta. Okay, that's a Palestinian colloquial saying for all of you come here. Okay, so he's running around, going around the field saying, hu, hu, ta, ta, ta. And no matter how much he and others would say this, he found that there was no trace of the wanderers, no voice to be heard of these sheep, save the prowling of the wolves and jackals. So he says, we search the valleys, the forests, and the hills, singing out, saying out, hoo, hoo, ta, 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 feeling our way through the darkness with our staves and partially guided by the dim light, sometimes falling, sometimes straying, sometimes caught in the bushes and tearing our clothes. And the rumor of our loss had already been spreading in the village, for the inhabitants of the village had seen our lights wandering on the hills, and they knew what it meant. And at last, after a long and careful search, we discovered a trail of the sheep on the soft sand. So once again, we ascended the hill and cried out, hoo hoo, ta ta ta. And after we listened for a while, the faint voice of our sheep was heard on the distant hill. Ma. Poor creatures, they had been wandering blindly on the hills, waiting long for the help for their good shepherd to come. Friends, Jesus, in the same way, is the good shepherd who has come to seek and to save the lost. Which means if you ever get lost, you should never give up hope. You should never wonder if Jesus will return. Even if you find yourself in the dark night of the soul and in a valley or in a desert and Jesus is nowhere to be found, don't ever give up hope because he is the good shepherd. And if you have loved ones that you know are lost and you're praying for them, and you're thinking of them and you are just asking Jesus, the good shepherd, to find them. Don't ever give up hope because Jesus is the good shepherd. And when those friends are found or those family members are found, you know, Jesus isn't going to, um, he's not going to be angry or bitter to these people that he was taken away from tending to the 99 so that he would find and care for the one. No, that's not, that wouldn't be his attitude. That's not his attitude. In fact, like we read here in Luke, he would actually be rejoicing because finally his lost one 
has been found. Friends, that's why the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's why I say, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd. And when I say that, I'm thinking, yes, I'm declaring the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my security. And he is a good shepherd who will always look after me, look after you, and find us when we're lost. So that's the first half of the verse, right? The Lord is my shepherd. The second half of the verse is I have what I need. I have what I need. So in the verse, the translation that we've been looking at today, uh, it, it's written in, in a way that might be new to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. Uh, perhaps you know it in the old King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just think about that. Isn't that interesting? Need versus want. I, I have what I need and I shall not want. What's the difference? I mean, needs and wants. In fact, how good are you at distinguishing between needs and wants? Right, perhaps you found yourself saying this past week, I need the rain to stop, right? Anyone, anyone say that? So, so is, that, is, that, is that really a need or is it a, a want? And maybe you find yourself on some occasion uh, in, in the morning particularly saying, I need coffee. Where is my coffee? Ask yourself, is, is, that, is, that a, is that actually a need or is it a want? Now, what about those gas prices, right? Maybe you said, I need these gas prices to go down, right? Is that a need? Probably, for most of us. How good are you at distinguishing between needs and wants? What about this one? I need simpler times. This is need or a want. I need to go on vacation. Need or a want. I need the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. Okay, maybe it's a little too early, right? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's just, but really, how good are you at distinguishing between your needs and your wants? And here's what the psalmist is saying. When the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. When the Lord is my shepherd... I have what I need. Or because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want because I have everything I need. I, I have food, I have drink, I have shelter, I have safety. I know I'm gonna be rescued when I get lost. I don't need to fear evil, I don't need to fear death. I know my shepherd is always watching over me and I know I, know, I, know I will always have a home because my shepherd is home, so I have peace. This is the relationship between a sheep and his or her Shepherd, this is actually the relationship between us and Jesus, between disciples and our Lord and Savior, King Jesus. You know, it's, it's so interesting, though. Um, I was thinking about this this past week, how sheep are really good at distinguishing between their needs and their wants. In fact, have you ever heard of a sheep that was so clamoring for power 
that they just wanted to be elected into that position of power. They just wanted to get that promotion to be that sheep that was always beside the shepherd. Like, have you ever heard of a sheep wanting power? Right? Have you ever heard of a sheep wanting control and wanting to actually go ahead of the shepherd to guide the whole flock to where that they needed to go? Like, have you, have you ever heard of a sheep that wanted to be endlessly entertained? that was complaining that there were too many streaming services, that, there, that there's too many shows to watch, that literally 20 minutes goes by and you still haven't selected what you are going to watch. Like, have you ever heard of a sheep just complaining about this and wanting simpler times? Have you ever heard of a sheep that, that was like, man, I don't, I don't really like the pastures in North Dakota, so can we go to Switzerland? <laughs> Have you ever heard of a sheep complaining that food was right in front of them? That they were beside water and a whole riot arose and the sheep created this union and they wanted to like, like just stand up against the authorities and say, we want freedom, we want Switzerland pastors, right? Like, have you ever heard of this? Like, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, right? Like, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, maybe Sean the sheep would want that. Yes, thank you. I love that. No, what sheep need, what they need is food and drink. What they need is safety. What they need is security. What they need is assurance that they'll never be alone, that someone is always watching over them. What they need, not want, what they need is home because their shepherd is their home. That's what they need. And you know what? Sheep know that they don't, there's, there's not like this, I'm going to be a better sheep than you so that I'm more loved by my shepherd. There's nothing like that. Sheep don't think that they need to earn love. They know that they are loved because the good shepherd is always with them and will always find them when they're lost. The source of everything that a sheep needs is found in a person. So if sheep know the difference between needs and wants, do you? Sometime this week, I, I really want you to do this exercise. I want you to make a list of everything that you desire, everything that comes to mind. And I want you to prayerfully determine, t take a look at this chart, just like this. I want you to prayerfully determine, after you list out all of the things that you want or you need, everything that you desire, list it all out, then just go systematically line by line and, and check off. Okay, is this a need or is this a want? And you know, in fact, I wanna encourage you to take a picture of this too so you don't forget. And, and when you do this this week, please ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Okay, this isn't some like, you know, I, 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 I mean, I can't make you do it, but it's not optional. <laughs> and honestly, if, if you want to dig into what it means for the Lord to be our shepherd and for us to really say, I have what I need, take some time and do this. Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. And then when you're done, I want you to then prayerfully discern what or who am I hoping will meet this. You know, when, when I did this this past week, 
I listed out everything that kind of just came to mind. I was like, you know, I, I desire that my children walk with Jesus. I, I desire that my marriage is thriving and whole. I desire Beulah to be growing in their faith. And then as I kind of went through all the things that were up top of my mind, I then kind of settled down and I was like, okay, Daniel, like, let's go a bit deeper here. What do you desire? Well, I, I want to be safe. I want to pay down debt. I want to be known. I don't want to be forgotten. And as I just kept on digging deeper and deeper, I was amazed at how vulnerable I could be in the privacy of me and my journal. And then I just systematically went through, is this a need or is this a want? And when I was done at all, um, I then asked, I, I, I prayed and I asked Jesus, what or who am I hoping will meet these for me? And when I went through each one, it's like, only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And as I kept on going, and as I was writing only Jesus, I wrote only Jesus in my journal, like really big. And I circled it, and I was like, yes, because no matter what I desire, no matter what I feel I need or want at any given moment, if it's not through Jesus and for Jesus, it can all be tossed to the side and burnt like chaff. Friends, is this true of you? Can you sincerely say that every desire, you want to lay before the feet of Jesus and give to him? Because it's only through him that we experience life. Let me read the verse to you again. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. So my, my dear brothers and sisters, may we bring back the imagery of the good shepherd as a central symbol to our discipleship and our journey with Jesus. And since discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction through the mountains and valleys and streams and deserts and plains, may we never strive to do this journey alone. May we recognize that Jesus is our good shepherd. And may we recognize that sheep never actually go out to pasture alone. So may we together always gather, grow, give and go with Jesus as our guide. So Beulah Church family, may Jesus be our good shepherd. For when Jesus is our shepherd, we will have everything we need. When Jesus is our shepherd, we'll not want anything because we'll have everything that we need. And when Jesus is our shepherd, we won't actually want a thing because we'll have everything 
we need. And may Jesus, our good shepherd this week, show us the differences in our lives between the needs and the wants. Amen? Amen.